Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews. With your two hosts, one man who knows all about big hair and small pants, it's Bread Roll. And with me is the man who loves to lather himself in baby oil and play the saxophone, it's JT. Oh, God. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well, Bread Roll. Hello, everyone. And that was a good one this week. You uh, caught me off guard again. You, you sort of merged us together the last couple of weeks, but we, we got one each today. And um, yeah, good stuff. I say I like to keep you on your toes, and sorry for spilling the beans as well. I know it was top secret for a few years that you used to do that. So <laughs> I know, but you can only play the saxophone badly for you know so long before people catch on. So yeah, the baby oil thing, I'm not too bothered about. <laughs> so for those who didn't look at the picture or read the uh, the title, we are reviewing the Lost Boys this week, um, which came out in on uh, July thirty first, nineteen eighty seven. It runs for 98 minutes and it had a budget of 8.5 million and came back with 32.2 million. So I actually made quite a fair bit of money there. Good old late 80s horror movie of such. I wouldn't say it's the most horror of horror movies, but it is obviously vampire related and quite stylish in its own right. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's quite stylish, which I'll probably go through when we go through the synopsis itself. There's some certain uh, styles that this film is quite uh, heavy on. Um, Yeah, I can't remember the first time I saw this bread roll. I don't think it would have been when it came out, because this sort of time I was starting to really get into movies and I was all into the Arnie kind of full on action stuff and a bit of Rambo with Stallone and all that. So this might have just crept under the radar for me a little bit. So I'm not sure when I first would have seen this. Don't know about yourself. I remember watching it. I was quite young. It's probably early uh, 90s I would have seen this. I remember my cousins from New Zealand, they were staying with my dad. Uh, They came over and sort of stayed for a couple of years. And they were really into their movies. And they're really like kind of the two that got me into like properly watching Arranger movies and collecting them and such. I remember one of them recorded this off the TV and I watched half of it. And then I had to go home because I was at my dad's for the weekend and I had to go home. And then it was like, fucking hell, that movie was great. And it took me a little while before I actually managed to get my hands on a proper copy to watch um, all the way through. But yeah, I have actually been watching this since I was quite young. Another movie that I was probably far too young to be watching. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, when we were going through the list last week, I had my girlfriend sat next to me. She loves this film. It's one of the reasons why I sort of, pre- sort of pressed the button on this one. I thought, yeah, let's do it. Let's go back to the 80s and look at a bit of a classic. We've done a few modern films recently. Um, it's a bit sad as well that both the Corys in this film, Haim and uh, Feldman, didn't really go on to massive things. Obviously, um, Corey Haim died, didn't he, suddenly, quite young. In Feldman, although he was in three sort of massive 80s films, like The Goonies, he's in Gremlins as well, isn't he? as well as this. Yeah. But he never really went on to have a triple A career, did he? He's been steadily working, but nothing really box office smash wise, has he? Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Like you say, like he he's a bit of a um bit of a cult favourite, isn't he, for like the eighties, like you said there, the Goonies and stuff. And he was in one of the Friday the thirteenth movies, if I remember correctly. And he's gone on to do a few of them, pieces. It went there's so many of them. <laughs> Surprised not in all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <probably. laughs> but um yeah, he never really went on to much. I don't know if he was one of those sort of child actors from the eighties who maybe had a bit of trouble maybe with like the drugs and the sauce and all that sort of stuff. I, I don't know if he was or he wasn't. I'm not like pointing the finger at him or anything, but I know fairly common for those sort of uh, time periods. But yeah, Corey Haim, I remember seeing him in a few things and like you say he passed away. And then you've got um Jason Patrick who plays like the main guy, Michael. He never had a huge career, but then Kiefer Sutherland, he's like the one, isn't he? Like he wasn't as big back then, but he had a massive career and still does really to this day. He's probably the most well known out of a lot of them. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And Diane Weist Beast, who plays Lucy, I mean, she's been in quite a few things as well. But yeah, just a bit strange. I thought Corey Feldman never really sort of fulfilled the potential he had in the eighties. But like you say, could have been for a multitude of reasons. I didn't really research that. 
but he's still working now, but just not really in the big budget stuff. Yeah, it's funny. Um, speaking of like the Goonies and stuff, because this movie, uh, before it became what it is now, one of its original iterations was it was supposed to be a kind of take on the Lost Boys from Peter Pan, and it was going to be more of a Goonies vibe type of movie, which might be why how how he's kind of like got cast in it, obviously to put that link in there. But it was completely different. It was going to be like a kind of edgy kind of but more kid type movie like adventure movie and then somehow it ended up being the cock rock vampire movie so fuck knows what happened in the writing room for this one but yeah it started off <laughs> as something completely different all oh, right that's interesting i didn't know that maybe that's why i mean the title the lost boys doesn't really point to a vampire movie does it it doesn't no i mean it's only the fact that obviously we find out kind of later in the movie that they are all technically children so i think that was a take on it like the children at called the lost boys when that peter pan thing like i say when they're all kind of like children at heart and stuff but yeah it's weird like i say it doesn't really scream vampire but now the name is quite synonymous with this movie as the years have gone on yeah and i have to say before we start going through the synopsis there are a few low budget sequels aren't there but i've never seen any of them no i haven't either rachel um my missus she's seen them and i think she said they were shit but i'm i'm a bit like yourself like if there's like a cult movie or like a good movie and then they do load of straight to dvd stuff or they start doing remakes because they are doing a remake of this which is bound to be absolutely dreadful um i just try to ignore them as best as i can i watch the odd one here and there but i've never seen the sequels to uh well i don't even know how many are but straight to dvd sequels to this one i've never seen them I think I may have them, actually, because um, Kirsty, my missus, gave me the Blu-ray, and I think it might be a box set with the sequels, but I've certainly never watched them, and I probably never will. <laughs> well, if you ever need a new coaster for your house, just whip one of them out and stick it on that. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be the best use that Blu-ray gets. <laughs> I reckon so, yeah. Right, so let's have a look at the old uh, synopsis then and see what we've got here. As always, this is pulled from Wikipedia, so whoever wrote it, thank you. We're going to uh, steal your words and see what we can do with them. So... Michael Emerson and his younger brother, Sam, move with their recently divorced mother, Lucy, to the fictional small beach town of Santa Carla, California, to live with her eccentric father, Michael, and Sam's... I don't know, it says Michael in there twice on Wikipedia for some reason on my Um, But um, they're going to move in with their grandfather. So Michael and Sam hang out at the boardwalk, which is a which is plastered with flyers of missing people. Lucy gets a job at a video store owned by bachelor Max Lawrence. Michael becomes fascinated by a beautiful young girl called Star, um, who he spots on the boardwalk, though she seems to be of a mysterious David, the leader of a youth biker gang. So that's pretty much the, the opening of this movie. It doesn't actually open quite like that. We get that um, iconic scene of like, because of budget cuts, I actually quite like the way they shoot how the vampires fly in this. It's kind of just like a first person movement. You can hear like the sound of like bat wings and stuff, but they come in across the, um, into the boardwalk. They're on like the um the Ferris wheel or something. Then they kill that um security guard, don't they? He's walking to his car and they sort of like come down and swoop that he boots them off and they swoop down and kill him. So that's how the movie actually properly starts before we meet Michael and uh, Sam. What do you think of this one, JT? I like the opening of this. You get the cry little sister, which becomes sort of synonymous with the movie all the way through it. And then you see older Keeper, and he's just a typical eighties vampire. He's kind of got the mullet going on. He just looks like you'd imagine a vampire would in the eighties, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, it's definitely a cock rock vampires, isn't it? Uh, it's cool. I mean, that's just a style I absolutely like. That might be um, one of the movies that sort of, as I say, I watched this as a kid. It probably influenced my interest and my style as I was growing up a little bit. But yeah, he certainly got the mullet going on. I remember when I was a kid, I used to think, that's really cool. And then I found out what a mullet was all about. And I was like, actually, I've <laughs> my hair long. I was, just, 
I'm sure it gets longer as the film goes on as well, because at the start, it's not quite mullet length. It's just sort of getting that way. And then later on, I'm sure he's got the full mullet grown. So I'm not sure what happened there, but I could be wrong. But that's what I picked up on earlier. I do like it the way when they first, you see um, Michael, Sam and Lucy in the car and they, they go going towards Santa Carla and the, they see the sign. And then uh, the When You're Strange song starts playing, which kind of ties into the film, the fact that Santa Carla's not all it's sort of cracked up to be. Yeah, because he goes past on the back of the sign, it's Murder Capital of the World, isn't it? This movie, um, it's got a cracking soundtrack. I mean, anyone who's ever seen it knows that for a, a fact. And like you say, you've got the cry little sister that kind of plays quite a lot throughout the movie. Um, people are strange playing here. There's loads of great songs in this one. I think it's, again, it just adds to that kind of stylish uh, vibe. Um, Santa Carla as well is actually um, Santa Cruz, but they didn't, they weren't allowed to use the actual real city name because they didn't want it to be associated with being the murder capital of the world. So they obviously changed it to Santa Carla. That was actually the Santa Cruz boardwalk. Uh, right. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. You wouldn't want to be giving your place a bad name, would you, in a film like this? But um, yeah, I did like that. I like it as well when they first arrive at old um, Grandad's place. What's he called? It? I don't know what his actual name is. Does he get called a name in this film? Anyway, we're calling Grandad unless you know his actual name. And the first thing they say is, oh, no TV. That means no MTV. And it's just that just reeks of 80s as well, isn't it? Now it'd be, no, no Wi-Fi. That means no Netflix or no TikTok or something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably back when MTV played music as well. So yeah. it's actually yeah. like worth watching back then. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's just the whole thing, isn't it? It was such an Americanized thing, wasn't it, MTV? It was, um, I know we had it over here and everything like that, but it was just like the thing before obviously about the mid 90s is when it started to change from actually showing music that's when you had like jackass and everything coming out and it became i don't even know what it became but it didn't become anything about music anymore oh no now it's full of that catfish and all that sort of shite isn't it when i flick past i mean i don't watch it myself but if i see it on the tv guide it certainly doesn't play music anymore and old granddad's not really selling santa carla is it they ask him if it's the murder capital of the world and he probably says yeah it's shit don't want to live here at all yeah, I love that line. He comes out and he's like, well, let me put it this way. If all the corpses buried around here stood up all at once, we'd have a hell of a population problem. <laughs> it's just a fucking <laughs> great line. It is good. Yeah, he's got some good lines in this film, actually, grand, you know, Grandad. A bit like a Grandad and Only Fools and Horses, really. Um, I yeah. don't suppose we can really move on without talking about Saxophone Man, can we? No, we can't. I think, um, <laughs> well, my, my Tom, is it Tom Capello? Is that his name? Um, he's actual proper rock star um, saxophone assistant. I think his name's Tom Capello, but fucking hell, that, that song is just amazing. I mean, I, he stood there wearing like fucking purple tights, like a really cheesy <laughs> wrestler. Fucking, he's in good shape, I give him that much, but he's there like, done up to the nines in baby oil, fucking proper heavy metal band behind him, and he's there like flexing his hips and playing a fucking saxophone, which I think was great. I think saxophones are amazing and they crack me up the weird noise they make. Always wish I could play one, but I can't stop laughing long enough to actually play it, but yeah, good old <laughs> saxophone, man. <laughs> I found out something quite interesting actually. I did know this today. Watching this, um Curtis was watching the start of it with me, then she did bugger off even though she liked the film, she had things to do. Um apparently both her parents can play the saxophone. I only found that out today. Um although I don't think any of them own one at the moment, which is a bit of a shame, so I'd like to have a rendition. Um but yeah, and also I'll just say from the bit you said at the start, I don't quite look as good as him, uh covered in baby oil, but that's another story again. <laughs> You're being modest, JT. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. <laughs> It's such a, a weird place. I mean, I'm, I don't know. It's obviously all hyped up and 
done to be like this for the sake of the movie. But it's crazy, isn't it? That that boardwalk place, it's just every single night, it just seems to be like a pure kind of like cock rock party going on. There's everything about, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it might even be like that now. I know it's a big kind of like destination in America, but my brother's been there and he's actually been to the bridge that they hang off a bit later on, which is not as high as it looks in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's just a fucking crazy place. You wouldn't be sure of a thing to do of the evening, would you? No, it does look good fun, although I try and steer clear of the vampires. It's amazing how Michael spots Star in the crowd pretty much straight away. Obviously, I guess he's just casing the joint and he sees her and then their sort of eyes meet and straight away he's smitten, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I bet he used to nail the Where's Wally books back in the day, or Where's Waldo for <laughs> those Americans out there. <laughs> just before we do move on, like Lucy walks into the, the video shop because she's found that kid and she's like, oh, he's lost or whatever. And then she just starts talking to Max. Within 30 seconds, she's got a job there. So bloody hell, if only life was that easy. Yeah, right. I was thinking that. It's like, she's like, um, what is it? It's like, oh, do you want to rent a video? She goes, no, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, you're looking for a job? Yeah, okay, I'll hire you. It's just that fucking simple, <laughs> isn't it? All right, mate. No interview, no background checks, nothing. Yeah, go on then, start tomorrow. It's like, okay, fair enough. Maybe that does happen, but I don't think so. So, in a local comic book store, Sam meets the brothers Edgar and Alan Frog, a pair of self-proclaimed vampire hunters. They give Sam horror comics to teach him about the threat they claim has infiltrated the town. Michael finally talks to Star. David approaches and goes to him into following them on, on a motorcycle along the beach. They reach a dangerous cliff that Michael nearly drives over. At the gang's hangout, an abandoned luxury hotel sunk in beneath the cliff of a 1906 earthquake, David initiates Michael into the group. Star warns Michael not to drink from an offered bottle, warning him that it's blood, but he ignores her advice. Later on, David and the others, including Michael, head to a railroad bridge where they hang off the bottom from the, um, the trestles over a foggy gorge. One by one they fall, Michael falling after them. So this is where he actually does finally talk to Star after like stalking her for however long. I don't know what the timeline is in this movie, but I assume he's been watching her at least once or twice before he actually speaks to her. Yeah, doing a bit of a creepy stalking there. I, I nearly um, cracked up when I was reading the synopsis along with you, and when it says they're hanging off the bottom of the trestles, I read it's testicles. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> I don't remember that happening in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> hanging by their testicles off the bridge. <laughs> Going back to the start of there, I do actually quite like the Frog Brothers. Um, kids are usually quite annoying in these sort of films. The Goonies being testament to that. They're fucking annoying all the kids in the Goonies. But they're actually okay. Although I, I was thinking earlier watching this, when they tell Sam, pray you never need to call us, I'll be thinking, mm, I wouldn't be too confident if I did, because they sounds exactly like they're going to help you out too much. Although they do turn good in the end. Yeah, yeah, they are those kind of like... I think one thing that makes them good in this uh, movie, because obviously they're quite cheesy, this whole movie is kind of cheesy in its own yeah. right, but it's quite a self-aware movie, isn't it? Like they're supposed to be apparently... Um, uh, Corey Feldman got told to try and act like a cross between Stallone and Chuck Norris to play his character. Which now I've actually read that. I was like, actually, I can see what he was doing with that because he's got like the fucking bandana tied around his house and around his yeah. head, and he around his house. Um, but I can actually see where he's kind of going with his performance a little bit for that. Yeah, yeah, I get that as well. I didn't know that, but yeah, you're right. Though, speaking of cheesy, when they're having the motorbike sort of race or chase, not really race, is it? He just says he tells him you're not going to beat him. He's like, you don't have to beat me. Just keep up. But he gets some real cheesy '80s close-ups of their faces while they're riding. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, he's got old, um, I can't remember his name, the actor, but he's a guy who was in Bill and Ted, wasn't he? He's one of the vampires as well. Um, and they're all like kind of like riding along together, not Keanu Reeves, the other one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know his name either. Although I've got the list of actors in front of me, but I wouldn't be able to sing them out, to be honest. I do really like the bit. No, I, don't know. Um, 
I do like the bit when I go into the cave, um, and they've got the picture of the guy from the doors in the background hanging. What's his name? Morrison guy, isn't it? Um, Jim, Jim Morrison, yeah. That, he's just like lurking in the background somewhere. But then they do that whole thing where like they go and get the Chinese takeaway, and he like turns it into like maggots, and he turns the spaghetti or the noodles into worms, doesn't he? He's kind of like doing these hallucinations on Michael. Obviously, I'd imagine so he won't believe Star that there's actually blood in the bottle. But whatever blood that is, that yeah. is the most watered down blood I've ever seen in my life. It's like in like Rivina more like. Do you know what? Like watching this with Kirsty earlier, this she this is around a bit where she went off to do something, but she was like, "That looks nothing like blood. That looks like Ribena. Is that the same as you?" She's like, "It would be a lot thicker." And I, I'd never picked up on that before, and I was like, "Yeah, you're right. That is so shit. In fact, that's supposed to be blood. I mean, it doesn't even look like wine, really. But the bottle's quite all neat. Nate is drinking it from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The bottle looks badass. Imagine that'd be a pretty cool little prop to have if you're like a collector of such things from movies. Um, having old David's uh, blood bottle there. Another bit um, that cracks me up as well is when they like go to the bridge and they're like just jumping off one by one and like one of them like stops and he like clicks his fingers and he's like Wahoo! and then just fucking jumps <laughs> off before they're hanging. There's a really another really cheesy eighties bit as well when they're going Michael, Michael, <laughs> and you've got the old cry little sister playing again. You get cheesy close ups of old Keeper Sutherland's face and it's just again so eighties. Keeper Subble is always doing a really creepy laugh in this as well, isn't he? He gets those close-ups, he's like, <laughs> he's trying to be <laughs> sounds nothing like that, but he just did this weird fucking laugh. He does. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't dangle under that bridge by my testicles or not. I mean, I don't like heights anyway, <laughs> but I wouldn't be doing that. Obviously, he's trying to, you know, it's his new sort of peers and everything he's trying to fit in, but I'll be like, no, nah, fuck that, I'm out, see you later, get on my bike and ride home. And also, I've never noticed this before, um, they're like, Michael... And then he goes, Michael Emerson. How do they know his surname? I don't think he'd ever told him his surname. Yeah, I guess it's just, I don't know, something vampire-related, I guess. <laughs> you could read his brain, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. And then when he finally does fall off the uh, the bridge, Michael, he falls for quite a while, doesn't he? He's falling for bloody ages. Yeah, because it does that really weird. That Old movies used to do this quite a lot. They don't really do it in modern movies, not that I've noticed. But they do this kind of echo thing where they kind of like replay the same reaction. So there's a bit where he's fallen and he stops. And I assume he's kind of flying. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And then it just like repeats his fucking weird little fucking thing. And then he just collapses on his bed randomly. So obviously one of them carried him home and tucked him in. Yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? The next scene that we're going to get to now, he just wakes up on his bed. And you're like, so did he dream it? What happened there? Obviously, you find out he didn't. Yeah. So Michael wakes up at home the next day, unaware of how he got there. His eyes are sensitive to sunlight and he develops a sudden thirst for blood, which leads him to impulsively attack Sam. Sam's dog, Nanook, retaliates. Sam realises that Michael is turning into a vampire, verified by his own brother's semi-transparent reflection. Sam is initially terrified, but Michael convinces him that he is not yet a vampire and desperately needs his help. Michael begins developing supernatural powers and asks Star for help. They have sex shortly after. Sam's um, deduces that as Michael has not killed anyone, he is a half-vampire, and his condition is reversible upon the head vampire's death. Sam and the Frog Brothers test whether Max is the head vampire during a date with Lucy, but he passes every test, and they instead focus on David. That covers a fair chunk here. Um... <laughs> this bit in the house when fucking Sam's in the bathtub and everything just like singing along and fucking farting about of all his bubble bath and everything I just always found it really weird how much soap has he got in there as well like he must have used like a whole thing of bubble bath and he's got it in his hair and everything he's going mad he's loving it though isn't he like I say singing along having a great time yeah it's quite um 
quite dark the way they shoot the bit with them um, when he like kicks open the bathroom door and obviously Sam just sort of goes under the water so he doesn't quite hear the noise which is sure he would hear like someone kicking the fucking door open but there you go but the way they shoot like the dog's reaction like the way it's barking and snarling and everything and leaps at Michael I always thought that was pretty full on I wonder how they got the dog to sort of react like that yeah it is it's a big old thing it's a husky isn't it or a husky type dog it's a big old thing um, it's weird though I was thinking again earlier so he's got a taste for blood obviously he's only a half vampire but he's about to kill his brother impulsively and I know the dog's big and everything and obviously we find out the dog's actually bitten him rather than the other way around but I was thinking if you were that thirsty for blood you'd have probably bitten the dog but I don't know maybe they don't like dog's blood I'm not a vampire yeah yeah I don't know really I mean they need human and in the general law and everything they need human blood because it reanimates their organs that's why they drink human blood to stay alive vampires but they can live off the blood of animals but probably reading too much into it i don't think you're supposed to think that much into this particular movie but you're right he could have just caught the dog with his vampire strength and i don't know eat the dog i suppose glad he didn't i like the dog yeah the dog's nice yeah a girl i went to school with um she's got a husky called nanook i'm assuming named after this one um yeah, and we get Michael floating around and everything, and he's on the phone, isn't he, to Lucy? Because Sam's phone, Lucy, going, oh, fucking everything's going wrong, it's going mad. And he's like, no, everything's okay, and there's things crashing around and everything, and obviously she comes home with Max. But And then Sam, or does she go home with Max, or does she not at this point? I don't think she does, but she comes home no, anyway. She, she runs out on him at this point, doesn't she? Yeah, like, yeah she does. Yeah, then they try, they try another couple of dates, don't they? But that's a bit further down the line. But then Sam's obviously a bit freaked out and everything, says, oh, I read, read a scary comic, but it was really, really scary. And then he asked to sleep like in his mum's bed. And I'm like, I oh, know you're supposed to be a bit scared, but you're a little bit old for that. If I was his mum, I'd be like, nah, sorry, mate. You can, uh, you can go in your own room. But uh, that's a bit, a bit weird, I thought. Yeah, yeah, because he's got to be, I don't know, in his teens, hasn't he, at least? Um, yeah. I mean, he might be supposed to be playing younger. But he fucking gets in bed, he's got like 10 garlic chains wrapped around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Obviously, we move on now and Star and uh, Michael have sex. I mean, it didn't take them long, did it? They've only met about twice and she's already in bed with him. And that's another very 80s sex scene in it with the clouds and everything. It's like really cheesy. Yeah, and like the candles all around the bed and everything. I'd be like, if I was hanging that many sheets near my bed, I wouldn't have a fucking candle near it. I'd be going up in the fucking blink of an eye with all that shit. That's, that's health and safety. <laughs> it certainly is, yeah. Not <laughs> practical at all, is it? And then Lucy finally notices that Michael's acting a bit weird. It's like, fuck me, he's your own son. He's wearing shades sort of in bed and everything. He's just, you know, he's got that weird earring that Sam's pointed out. It's like, it doesn't really suit you. And it doesn't. Again, it's very 80s cock rock, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I, I do like the bit um, when <laughs> Sam goes to, like, recruit the Frog Brothers. Um, and like, they, they do that, like, dinner. Like, that Max is having dinner at um, Lucy's house and everything. And they, like, instead of Parmesan cheese, they put, like, garlic in there and everything. And at one point, they just, like, turn the lights off and then put a mirror in front of him. When it comes on, he's just like, wow, it's fucking reaction. <laughs> that is quite good. That whole scene's so like cheesy, but it is quite funny as well. It did, did make me laugh. It always makes me laugh, even though I know what happens. But I like Max's face as well. When she says, um, oh yeah, Sam's here and here's Sam. And he's like, oh yeah, I've, I've invited the Frog Brothers as my dinner guests in his face. I mean, I don't know. He could be unimpressed for two reasons. One, he's obviously wanting some alone time with uh, Lucy and also he's like, shit, they're going to rumble me being a vampire. I'm not sure, but he certainly doesn't look impressed. Well, that's it, yeah, because you don't know, they never really, like, say, like, surely he and the rest of the vampires will know there are vampire hunters out there somewhere. So, like, whether he's, like, aware of them specifically or not. But, um, yeah, his face, obviously, he doesn't, uh, their um, tricks don't work him at this point, and we find out why later, don't we? We do, indeed. I mean, Sam works out Max is a head vampire pretty easily. He's like, uh, right, 
sort of he's read a couple of things in this comic and it points him straight to Max pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Again, some of the dialogue in this is cheesy. Cause just well, it's all cheesy. But going back a little bit, when Sam obviously first finds out like Michael's a vampire, his reaction is something like, "You're a vampire, Michael. You wait till Mum finds out." It's like I'm sure that's the least of his fucking worries right now. Being a fucking vampire, when his mum's gonna find out, what's she gonna do? Ground him? <laughs> yeah, it is very funny, isn't it? And just before sort of this um, scene with the Frog Brothers trying to out um, Max Thorn, the dog goes absolutely mental and chases Lucy. She's trying to bring some food around to him, and that dog we've had Nanook go mental. Now Thorn goes absolutely crazy as well, doesn't she? He hits whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean they've got a thing about huskies in this uh, movie, haven't they? Because obviously. Um... Max has got one old thorn, like you say, and then they've got Nanook as well. I suppose it's just to try and keep him that kind of like hounds of hell type thing. Um, but yeah, when he's like chasing Lucy, and how long's that fucking bridge? And well, I wouldn't want to have to carry shopping from my car to my house for a fucking <laughs> bridge about a mile long. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's pretty long, isn't it? And I mean, the dog's so crazy, it's actually sort of biting through the fence as well. And uh, yeah, she sort of has to get dragged off. Is it Sam who drags her away from him? Yeah, because she sort of gets over the fence just about, and then they sort of he grabs her, and he's like, "Oh, you're okay." And then, like you say, the dog starts coming through the fucking fence like Jack Nicholson or something. So, yeah, I'd be like, you know what, well, fuck, I don't want a relationship with this guy. His dog's a psycho. Yeah, she forgives him fairly quickly, though, doesn't she? Obviously, a bit later on, she's like, "Okay, yeah, your dog tried to kill me, but we'll brush over that." She's, you know, I think she even says she's going to take the dog for a walk. I was like, I don't think I'll go near it after it did that to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> um. So, to provoke him into killing, David takes Michael to stalk a group of beachgoers and, in, and in instigate a feeding frenzy. Horrified, he escapes and returns home to Sam. Star then arrives and reveals herself as a half-vampire who wants to be cured. It emerges that David has intended for Michael to be Star's first kill, sealing her fate as a vampire. The next day, a weakened Michael leads Sam and the Frog Brothers to the gang's lair. They impale one of the vampires, Marco, with a stake, awakening David and two others. But the boys escape, rescuing Star and Laddie, a half-vampire child, um, and Star's companion. This is where it all kind of uh, kicks off a little bit now, doesn't it? It goes from like a few dinner dates and a crazy dog to invading a vampire lair and pissing them off. Yeah, and that bit on the beach, there's probably the, one of the only gnarly bits in the film. There's a couple of little bits towards the end, but there's one bit where David bites the top of someone's head and then they chuck a, one of the people on a fire. So they certainly do have a bit of a frenzy. Yeah, apparently that scene was much like more violent and gorier in the original cut, but they got told to tone it down so they could keep the um the fifteen rating. But yeah, apparently that bit was much more like gory in general, really. And another thing I read is um you know when they obviously go into like vampire mode as such, their eyes go like like Sith eyes, don't they? Almost like mm. um teens. Apparently those contact lenses were really painful, so they could only wear them for literally a couple of minutes at a time, which is why. You rarely see them wearing them. It's only on a couple of close-ups. You don't see them in general. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't wear contact lenses myself, but I always thought, like, I don't know, even like the movie prop ones back then, they shouldn't have been painful to wear, surely. You wouldn't have thought so. I mean, obviously now you can get those ones to wear for cosplay and that, and people wear them for hours on end, so they're obviously a lot better now. I mean, I've never worn them either. I don't like the thought of them, to be honest. I wear glasses for reading, and I don't suppose I could probably get contacts just for that, but I don't just like the idea of putting them in and taking them out all the time. I don't know. Think about your eyes is a bit funky for me. Yeah. And uh, when they're doing their little, their vampire frenzy, you get a bit of Aerosmith in the background, don't we? A bit of walk this way. What a thing to uh, be eating to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One bit that made me laugh. So Michael's in the tree watching all this going on. 
And he's like, no, fuck this. And he starts to sort of turn a little bit. And then he's like, no, I'm out here. He just sort of, I don't know how he does it or what happens. He sort of gets sucked out of the tree backwards. I don't know if he does it himself, but he sort of jumps out of the tree, but backwards. I'm like, that was quite impressive. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's like he just got sucked out by a big vacuum cleaner or something. Then he like goes tumbling down this like fucking massive hill just in time for the vampires to stop eating. And they all kind of come and stand. And it's quite an iconic um, scene, isn't it? Them standing under that tree with a fire behind them. That's sort of like looking down at him. Yeah. That's on quite a few of like the posters and t-shirts and everything. Yeah, it is. And then uh, Sam phones the Frog Brothers. And kids in these films, they always have a phone in their rooms, don't they? I mean, as asking for trouble, putting a phone in a kid's room, he's going to run up a massive bill, you would think. But they always seem to have them. Yeah, yeah, they do. And they always seem to be on the phone, like you say, all the time. But I love how casual they are. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll just um, ring the Frog Brothers. And they come sort of like round all dressed up like Rambo and everything. <laughs> um, this is where they still, um, well, don't steal, do they? But they take the granddad's car. I think it's a Cadillac or something like that. But... <laughs> They fucking fuck off a bit. And then when it, when they bring it back after they've been to the vampire lair, they're carrying um, Star and Laddie up the stairs. They're all completely covered in blood. And then the granddad's like, do you know what a rule about filling up the car with gas before you take it without asking? Well, now you do. And then just fucking walks off. I thought that. I was like, why has he not said, why are you carrying sort of half-dead people up the stairs? And what the hell is that you're covered in? But he just moans about the car. And when they go to the lair, I know he's only a half-vampire, but like, Michael's just wearing a pair of shades and the sunlight doesn't seem to affect him. I'm like, so how does that work then? Yeah, yeah, you'd thought he'd, um, even if he could move around in it, he'd be, you know, cooking a little bit. <laughs> he just keeps falling asleep, doesn't he? Like, they go down to try and save Star and he just conks out and, like, takes a nap. So then, obviously, the, the Frog Brothers and Sam go crawling through and that bit where they find, like, David and everything, it's quite gnarly when they, um, they stake Marco because all the blood and everything's coming out. But the bit where they've got, like, big, like flabby bat feet, you know, hanging upside down. I think it's fucking cheesy as arse. <laughs> it is pretty cheesy. And I will say, obviously, a lot of blood comes out of Marco, but it doesn't look more like strawberry jam than blood. It's really, like, weird. We had this sort of Ribena blood in the bottle, and now we've got, like, thick, gooey strawberry jam blood. They can't quite get it right in this film. Yeah, yeah, it's not the uh, <laughs> it's not the most um, realistic-looking stuff, is it? I suppose it does a job, though. It's like something squirting out of him. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. And then they, they drive off. Michael's obviously out of it and everything. So Sam drives. And somehow he seems to know how to drive, even though he's only about 12, which is quite quite convenient. And then before they sort of start this sort of last bit where they're, they're getting all their shit together, the Frog Brothers and Sam just randomly gate crash a christening and just start taking some holy water. It's like, okay, pretty random. Yeah, everyone just kind of stops. And, I suppose, I don't know what you do if something like that happened. You're in the middle of doing the whole Holy Father and all that stuff. And three fucking weirdos jump in and just like steal the holy water and then it's like all right then see you later and then he bugger off again yeah because no one tries to stop them i guess it's just the shock of the fact what the hell are these doing here and before they can do anything they've gone but yeah i thought that was quite random and again another thing that's very 80s isn't it is those fucking bmx's they're riding around on i mean they were like all the rage yeah. back then and yeah i know they're still popular on like you know um there's people who obviously do bmx in like skate parks and stuff but at one point when i was a kid i think everyone had one of those bmx's I certainly had one, and all my mates did. Um, and you sort of had different styles. You had the ones with the mag wheels with the plastic thicker spokes, and you had the normal ones. And, yeah, I used to love my, uh, my BMX back in the day. So that evening, while Lucy is out with Max and Grandpa is on a date with a widow, the teens um, arm themselves with holy water-filled water guns, a longbow, and wood stakes, barricading themselves in the house. Like, <laughs> it makes me laugh, like, holy-filled water guns. Just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when night falls, David's gang attack the house. 
The Frog Brothers and the Nook killed Paul by pushing him into a bathtub filled with garlic and holy water, dissolving him, which is actually quite gnarly. Sam is attacked by Dwayne, another vampire, before he shoots an arrow through his heart and into a stereo behind him, electrocuting him. Michael is then attacked by David, forcing him to use his vampire powers. He manages to overpower David and impales him on a set of antlers. However, Michael, Star and Laddie do not transform back as normal as they had hoped. Uh, yeah, this um, this fight seems a bit crazy. It does do a little bit of a uh, the typical A-team bit where they're sort of setting up all the traps and everything. But um, what's your take on it? Yeah, I do quite like it. It's, it is definitely a bit A-team. But I like say the bit where is it Paul, the one where the Nook ends up pushing him into the bar. He kind of melts and everything. And then he just starts coming out of all the taps, just like blood and all kind of, well, just human remains, I guess, sort of burst out of the taps and the pipes and the sink and everything. It is pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's funny you say because it's that weird, not quite blood again, isn't it? Strawberry jam. It actually reminds me a little bit of the ooze from Ghostbusters. Do you remember that? Like the fucking weird pink stuff yeah. that flows with the sewers and that. It kind of gave me those sort of vibes. And then when old um Dwayne, whose name I never quite, I didn't even know his name was Dwayne until I just read it on the no. synopsis. But when um uh, Sam shoots him with a bow and arrow, and then he like gets electrocuted with the music playing and the cock rock in the background, and his arms and his hands and that start popping off. I think that's a pretty gnarly death as well. I do like that bit. The first shot, he thinks he's killed him, and then he sort of comes back again. The second shot, I mean, two shots with a bow and arrow, and he manages to get him both times. He does pretty well. I mean, I've not fired a proper one, but I imagine they are quite hard to aim, particularly in a panic-stricken thing like that. But yeah, it's quite yeah. cool isn't it, when he goes into the stereo and he gets electrocuted. And I think it's one of the frog brothers, and it goes, death by stereo. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, and it's um after they kill Paul, isn't it? It's like we killed the one who looks like Twisted Sister. I think that's a pretty good uh accurate description of him, to be honest. Yeah, and then the fight with old uh, Michael and um uh, David, it's not really very long, is it? Considering you know he's the not head vampire, but he's sort of the main person. I know Max is a head vampire, but when you see the antlers, they're sort of pushing each other towards the antlers before Michael finally gets him. So you know how he's going to die. It's a little bit of a letdown, really. His death, I thought. Yeah, it's a little bit um, flimsy. I mean, they all die fairly quickly, to be fair. I mean, being vampires, you think they put up a bit more of a fight. Especially, like you say, David, particularly, who is, again, not the head one, but you can imagine he's got to be quite powerful. He kind of leads the pack, doesn't he? Like the alpha or something. So, Because the fight kind of builds up, doesn't it? At first, he's kind of just jumping out of the shadows and punching Michael to try and get him to react. And eventually, Michael does. And he's like, his eyes change colour. And it does look pretty cool. But then they literally just fly at each other, have a bit of banter, and then fucking kills him. And the fight's over in about two minutes. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, obviously it's not the the main fight, but we'll get to that. But even that one's not that long. And old uh, laddie, he goes mental, doesn't he? He comes up for a bed, just going absolutely crazy at one point in this whole scene. Yeah, that makes me laugh, because he, like, jumps out and he, like, barges past the Frog Brothers, and they're like, holy shit, the attack of Eddie Monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, so now Lucy then returns home with Max he was revealed to be the head vampire. He explains that inviting a vampire into one's house renders one's powerless over said vampire. I don't think he quite says it like that, but well done, Wiki. Mm. Leaving them unable to exploit any weaknesses the vampire has while there. Explaining why their earlier assumptions appeared to be incorrect. Max reveals he had instructed David to turn Sam and Michael into vampires so that Lucy could not refuse to be transformed herself as an objective as um, he had been to make Lucy mother of his lost boys. As Max pulls Lucy to him, preparing to transform her, he is killed when Grandpa crashes his truck through the wall of the house and is impaled on a wooden fence post, causing him to explode. Michael, Star and Laddie then return to normal. Amongst the carnage and debris, 
Grandpa casually retrieves a drink from the refrigerator and declares, one thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach all the damn vampires. <laughs> what do you think about the way this one wraps up then? Again, it's another fairly short fight, isn't it? And it's quite random that Grandpa's the one who comes to the rescue in the end. I mean, he's had some good one-liners all the way through the film. He's been a bit of a sort of undercover hero. But yeah, I do, I do kind of quite like it. I mean, Max comes clean fairly quickly. He just comes in, sees um, David's dead, goes, oh, shit. And uh, I think Star and Michael actually see him, don't they? So they, they nah, well, they probably knew anyway because they were half vampires. But the game's up. But he just sort of confesses all to Lucy without much of an effort, doesn't he? He doesn't really have to push him for anything. Yeah, I do like the way um, it kind of goes a bit old school, kind of like a, a, almost like a nod to the old, um, like the Universal or the old Hammer horrors. Because when he's talking, he keeps looking away and then looking back, and he's like, "Your boys," and then he turns back and he's like, "My boys," and he's like, turned into the vampire." But before he does that, you hear like a really old school kind of wolf howl in the background, like out in the darkness somewhere. And I quite like that. I just had that old kind of classic sort of fright nighty type feel to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this film is quite cheesy, but I mean, it, it does it really well. Um, Lucy's about to give in to Max pretty easily as well. She's literally about to sort of walk into his arms and be turned before he does actually get killed by Grandpa. I thought, I suppose, fair enough. She probably thinks I can't overpower this guy, but she doesn't put up any fight at all, does she? No, I suppose it's just the mother's love for her children, but he fucking batters everyone, doesn't he? Because Michael like charges towards him and he launches him up into the fucking roof or something. Um, yeah. batters the Frog Brothers, he even launches like Star across the room, and then he's got like Sam and a headlock or something, hasn't he? Um, then it's there, like Lucy's just like, oh, okay, then but I suppose there's worse things to yeah. be than a vampire, yeah. I mean, you know, when I never sort of 20 years when I'm sort of I don't know, wearing nappies and stuff again, you know, turn full cycle, I might want to give it a go, but you know, I'm all right at the moment, thanks. Yeah. I do like, I know we didn't touch on it that much, but I'm fucking like you said, it's granddad who kind of saves the day by just randomly driving a truck but how did he know like the vampires are in there in the first place to drive his truck through in the f- to fucking try and stop them but he's got that really fucking dodgy horn hasn't he he's like uh, <laughs> and he just fucking blows up or whatever it is the Mexican That's sort funny. of thing yeah I know it plays all throughout the film doesn't it you hear it sort of quite often going on and um, it's a pretty cheesy closing line as well but he just walks over to the fridge doesn't he and just gets a drink out of one of his root beers and just uh, says that line then it just cuts to their faces and then it just fades into when you're a strange again and it ends. It's kind of like a just a, not cheesy ending, but it just sort of ends with nothing really. Yeah, it's just like, well, we've just had a like, fight of our lives against a group of vampires and Granddad's just drinking his fucking root beer or whatever it is. So, yeah, there we go. And that is. The, uh... <laughs> the house is ruined and what we're going to do next, who knows? Yeah, and that is uh, The Lost Boys. So, um, only thing left to do is to give this one some scores. Uh, whose turn is it to go first this week? Oh, I think it's mine, Greg Loss. I think you did Gunpowder Milkshake last week, so I believe it is mine. I believe you're right. Well, take it away then, JT. Let's hear what you've got to say. Oakley dokely. So, this has been a bit of a cult classic of mine since I first saw it, which I can't remember when, as I said at the start, but I, I do sort of watch it periodically. Um, I will say, though, this film would have been a hell of a lot shorter if there wasn't so many slow-mo montages because there's a lot of random bits in this, and I lost count of how many times we do see the boardwalk in this film, and it just sort of pans across it with different... You see it in the daytime, you see it at night time. So, you know, they could probably cut about another 10 minutes out of this film, but it doesn't run too long anyway, so that's not really a problem. And when I was thinking about what to score this during the week when we decided to do this, I wasn't really sure. In places, it's not really a great movie, but I do still really like it. Um, and I did enjoy watching it again earlier, I have to say. It just stinks of the 80s, which is not a bad thing, because it's my favourite movie era, for sure. 
I think Kiefer Sutherland is just a great vampire, isn't he? Just he's got that look. He didn't even really need much makeup, I don't think, to look sort of like a vampire. The kids aren't actually annoying for once, and it's a shame the two Corys didn't go on to better things. Obviously, for obvious reasons, for poor old Corey Hayne there. And we, you said it as well. I mean, the soundtrack's great, isn't it? It's got eighties cop rock, got a bit of everything. Really works really well. Um, and I think one thing they didn't really go too mad with the effects. You mentioned the budget early. Maybe that was a reason, but that's one of the reasons why it doesn't look so dated. I don't think. Obviously, it's very eighties, but the effects aren't terrible. They still look all right now. So. I'm going to be a bit generous, I think. I'm going to give this four others, which probably is one more than it deserves. It probably is a three, really. But I've got a massive soft spot for this film, and Kirsty loves it as well. So four others for me, Bradwell. What about yourself? Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, echo a lot of what you said, really. I mean, since I was a kid, I've loved this film. I love, you know, to me, I love horror and stuff. Anyway, this has always been in my top three vampire movies, um, and it still is. And I love watching it. I think it's great. It's cheesy as fuck I mean it's almost laughable at places but in the right kind of way because the movie as we said earlier it's self-aware it's not trying to be ultra serious or ultra amazing or anything it's just it's just having fun with itself and vampire whatever cock rock music I'm always there for that um I just love how stylish it is I think the characters are all quite funny um like you said the way they shoot obviously probably because of the budget has helped this movie not age Badly, like I said, the blood looks a little bit suspect, you know, Ribena perhaps. The only special effect that I think looks a little bit ropey, and it's literally for the blink of an eye, is when David and Michael first sort of fly each other in their end fight. That does look like it's been copy and pasted on a little bit, but that's literally a couple of seconds of like a movie that's what just under two hours or so. So nothing really to gripe about. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. I again, it's a childhood classic, I love watching it again. I'd love to give it a five, but I'm not going to because that would just be like uh, scoring from the heart. But realistically, I am going to give this one a four and justify it by the fact that it's just a really good, enjoyable, stylish vampire movie. It's so 80s, but I think even like younger audiences today could watch this and still enjoy it just because of just how fun it is, really. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Quite interesting what you said there. You know, Keeper Suffolk, he does actually look pretty much quite vampiric in his own right in his younger days so yeah at least they save money on the makeup for him but um yeah it's going to get four for me as well but um i think it's very strong for i'd love to give it a five but i'm not going to but it definitely deserves a four oh good stuff Fredwell. like i said all week i was thinking this is going to be a three i'm not going to enjoy it it's going to be a three it's going to look shit these days but no i thoroughly enjoyed watching it again earlier so yeah we agree again i think we disagreed last week but we've been agreeing a fair bit recently so let's see if this will continue red roll we will. Speaking of continuation, I don't think we agreed, as always, what we're going to do next week. So who knows? It might be one that divides <laughs> us on the spectrum a little bit. I think we're either going to do another vampire film, which will be completely different because there isn't really another one like this, I don't think. Or it's going to be another 80s film. I think that's what we sort of settled on, but we didn't go any further than that. So, yeah, watch this space, people. There we go. It'll be a, a golden oldie of uh, some kind. We'll see what's available. Um but of course, as always, thank you for joining us and let us know your thoughts of what the Lost Boys movie is. Um, if you like it, if you hate it, what's your favourite parts? And also let us know what you think of the show in general. Get in touch at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. And if you think there are any movies out there that we should have a look at or review, then by all means, um, drop us a recommendation and we will do our best to get round to it, providing we can both get our hands on it um, sort of the same time, as it were. And for me, Bread Roll, I am signing off. And for me, JT. I've just got one last thing to say. Look at your reflection in the mirror. You're a creature of the night, Michael. Just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. 
My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. You wait till mom finds out, buddy. <laughs>